At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. In light of the injury to Ronnie Mauricio, which is going to cost him most of the season, uh, don't expect the Mets to go looking for a full-time third baseman. They do have some in-house options still, of course, in Joey Wendell, uh, Brett Beatty, uh, Jeff McNeil can play third, as we've seen in the past. And Mark Viento is more of a bat-first guy, as they know, but has played third, could play some third. Uh, so what we're really looking for the Mets to do here in reaction to the Mauricio injury is uh, look for some protection at third. That could dovetail with the protection at DH and make a guy like, uh, say, Justin Turner uh, come into play, probably a veteran guy, a one-year deal type player, uh, not necessarily Matt Chapman in the high end of the third base market because they do still have some in-house options. But the loss of Mauricio uh, forces them to go back on the market to some extent. All right, we're back. So third base is open again. Disappointing injury. Ronnie Mauricio, who was showing a lot of flair, power, dynamic offensive play, trying to learn how to play third base, seemed to be making some improvements in the Dominican Winter League. Tears his ACL. Kind of a weird injury. Uh, you know, didn't look like he was doing much. It's amazing. Just like with Diaz, when they you you tear one of these things, it's almost like you do it just in a normal course of action, which almost tells you that it was going to happen no matter what. But that's a debate for a different day. I'm not going to get into the debate about he shouldn't have been playing. He played a lot. He played winter ball last year. I mean, look, Mauricio has done everything you can ask to improve and put the time in. And he was going to get a shot to compete with Beatty for third base. I think he was going to beat Beatty. I have only got the feeling he's a little hungrier than Beatty. Beatty's always come across sleepy. Beatty, to me, has the cardinal sin when he lost me. And he was honest. He was honest. I don't know if it was Tim Healy or Mike Puma. I don't know who was interviewing him. But he talked about lack of focus You know, with the game at third base, staying focused. And, 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 and you know, that... That's a controllable thing. You know, if you're getting a big league shot and you're talking about lack of focus at the position, the game being too fast for you, those are huge red flags. Now, I know Chavez worked with them a little bit in spring training and talked a little bit and seemed to get uh, have an impact with him on that. And Chavez has gone out publicly and said, look, he struggled defensively before he established himself as a really good defensive player in the big league. So he's got the right guy on the coaching staff to help him, but... Those are red flags that usually indicate that there's a problem. So I was making Mauricio the favorite going into the spring. Now, Beatty's not chopped liver. Beatty is a Brody Van Wagen and draft pick. Uh, he was, uh, you know, drafted in the first round, 12th overall in 2019, uh, Brody's first draft. And, you know, by and large, he's shown power at the minor league level. He's gotten on base. Sure, he strikes out a lot. At this time last year, there was talk about moving him to the outfield because of the Correa signing. He's not blocked. And I'll tell you what. History tells Beatty 
if he could figure this thing out and be somewhere passable on defense and give you, let's say Beatty is a big leaguer. I don't even want to say he's going to hit 290 or 300 like he did in the minor leagues. You know, over in 2022, he hit 315. He had 19 homers, 60 RBIs, a 410 uh, on base percentage. I'm not expecting that kind of, but if he could have a 350, 360 on base percentage, pop you 20 home runs, hit 260, 270, and play passable defense, you might have something there. A lot of times, and maybe this is a lazy comparison, but I just want to go down. I-90, oh, excuse me, I-90, I-95, and look at Alec Baum. And Alec Baum was a guy that had similar numbers in the minor leagues, struggled in Philadelphia, um, defensively more so, the off, but, but offensively too. And here's a guy last year, hit 20 home runs, drove in 97 runs, hit 274. If he becomes Alec Baum, which is an okay player, a, a decent component player, I, I would take that. Can he become Alec Baum? And am I saying his name right? Because I always flub that one. Baum. Baum. Alec Baum. Boem. Alec Baum. Alec Baum, not Baum. Baum. You guys are probably laughing at me. Some of these names are hard. You know, it's like you listen to the game and you, Alec Baum, it's like it doesn't register. And then you get on the air and you're like, geez. But how bad, you know, if I'm Brett Beatty and I could figure out this game being too fast for me, and focus issue. If I could figure that focus issue out. He's wide open. Take away David Wright. One of the best players in Mets history. If not the best. Mr. Matt. Uh, it's going to be a long time before we see someone like that. Maybe Pete Alonso. It's a shame his career got sh- cut short. Because he's far ahead of any other third baseman. And I wrote about this at Beyond the Mic. But I'll give you a little tease to it. I'm not going to give you the whole thing. We talked about third base. The Mets are so bad historically at third base. That Ed Charles is a top five third baseman in team history. Ed Charles. Lenny Randall. Top ten third baseman is a guy named Charlie Smith. I don't even know who Charlie Smith is. Ray Knight, who had a, a horrible 1985, is there. Eduardo Escobar, who had a season and a half, is there. I mean, in the top 20 is Tommy O'Malley, guys. Tommy O'Malley. He was a backup. Third base has been a black hole for the Mets. Now, maybe it's the curse of Jim Fergosi, trading Nolan Ryan for Jim Fergosi, and maybe that bit right in the you-know-what. But to me, it is incredible how bad third base has been for this club. And when you start to look at it, do you really want Joey Wendell as your caddy? Now, Joey Wendell, and I and I also wrote about this at Beyond the Mic, you know, it was an indication when they signed him that they were more committed to the baby Mets, to Mauricio and Beatty. Now, Mauricio's not in the equation. You're putting all your cards in Beatty. Be really, I mean, would they, would they, depending on what they do free agency-wise, free agency and I think Turner, Justin Turner's name has come up, a free agent that we've advocated for on this program, who's really not a, a positional player, maybe more a DH at this point, could play a little first, second, third, probably more a hitter than a fielder, good clubhouse guy, knows the, 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 the organization and, uh, you know, some bad history on his departure, but that was not him. That was more the owner. So that's an appropriate caddy. But when you look, uh, I mean, there's really not many other options here. You know, you have Evan Longoria's out there, Gene Segura, who struggled in Miami last year. I mean, that's an interesting guy, Gene Segura. 
uh, if you wanted to bring him in, more of a contact guy. Uh, Matt Chapman is not somebody I could see them going after. I brought up Gio Ursula the other day. Good, you know, Gio Ursula actually is a perfect veteran to play third. Has a good glove, could hit for contact, got a little pop, hit for average. Uh, Mendoza knows him from the Yankee days. He was good enough to play for a Yankees team in 2019 as their third baseman that nearly got to the World Series, lost to Houston. He's a true component player. But after that, I mean, you want to go and get Eduardo Escobar back? Josh Donaldson? No. Mike Moustakis? He's done. I mean, there's nothing. There's nothing out there. And you could be staring down the barrel of a season of Beatty making errors, striking out a lot, and frustrating the you-know-what out of you. But maybe that's what's needed. You know, part of me thinks, you know, even if you bring Turner in, depending on how this thing goes, I mean, clearly you could bring Wendell in for defense at third and late in the game if Beatty can't cut the mustard. Right now, I wouldn't trust him defensively in a big spot late in the game. I wouldn't. He made too many errors late in the game. I remember one in Philadelphia. He made one late in the season against Miami. At, at City Field, you can't trust them. You have that guy in Wendell. That was, you know, pretty much Guillaume's role before they let him go. But, um, you know, that, you know, Wendell is not to me a guy that you should be giving 500 to 550 at bats. He's a round the diamond 350 at bat type of guy. So the Mets are in a pickle here. And the concern I have is the Mets have done, Stearns has done a good job of really doing the offseason backwards. Everybody's mad about, he's only spent $18 million, 13 of it is on Severino. Everything else has been these scrap heap, minor league contracts, major league really, you know, small deals like Jorge Lopez. These are the kind of deals typically you do after January. You do all your big game hunting in November and December, then the holidays come, and then you do your component players and your minor league deals in January, February. The game is backwards this year because of Otani and Yamamoto. While Yamamoto paralyzes everybody... And even if you're not in the Yamamoto sweepstakes, you're probably paralyzed. Guys are coming off the board. You're seeing starting pitchers come off the board. So my thing is this. They're engaged with Justin Turner. I don't know if Yamamoto plays into that. You know, Turner's probably going to get about $15 million, I would say, this year, one-year deal. I think he had a $6 million buyout with the Red Sox. But if you wait around too long and these guys say, hell with it, I want to go with the bird in hand. I'm not going to wait for the Mets to finish their Yamamoto stuff. The Mets might have a problem on their hands. But I really believe, Turner or not, I don't think Evan Longoria is that op- option. Um, I think Gio Urshel would be a great option. Beatty's going to get a shot. And to me, as a top pick, guys like this always get shots. I mean, look at Trace Thompson. I mean, toolsy guy, Mets just signed him, they like his upside. He's in his 30s. He's never really consistently hit his potential. He had a nice year with the Dodgers in 2022. But because he's got tools... He always gets a chance. Beatty's going to be that guy. Beatty will get chances. Will he get another chance if 2024 is another dud for him with the Mets? That's going to be tough. The fans are going to be brutal on him. He really needs to come and be sharp from day one. Because I think if the team struggles a little bit, or even if the team is competitive, because it doesn't take a lot. I mean, you could hang around and be 500 through half the season and be considered a playoff contender because of the three wild cards. But if the team struggles and he makes errors in the field and he strikes out and he can't get a big hit with runners on base, he's going to be the object of the fans' anger. I could see it. 
and look, there's a lot to like about, about him. Seems like a good kid, son of a coach. You know, he, he, I mean, in theory, we've heard he's put the work in. I'm not sure if he went down to meet with Lindor and do work with Lindor. We know that, um, yeah, that Lindor was, um, was doing some work with Vientos. And Vientos is kind of like an afterthought, which is interesting because he's the guy without the position. And nobody believes that he could actually play third base. Now, he hasn't shown the ability to hit. He hasn't even shown the ability to hit left-handed pitching. But you know he's got pop. We've seen it in little spurts. If I had to take a guess, the way these things work out, you have the number one pick, the stud, that's toolsy. You got the veteran. And then you got the kid that everybody's not thinking about. It's the kid that nobody's thinking about that takes the job. But the, the, the line between success and failure for players sometimes is so thin. There are so many players throughout the history of baseball that were probably just as good as one of the 700 and change that played in the big leagues, but never got a chance. Wrong organization, didn't produce at the time they were given. Both Beatty and Vientos have a golden opportunity right now to steal this job. They really do. Because even if they bring Turner in, Turner is not a guy that I think is going to play third base every day. I think Turner is going to be a DH, a veteran presence. I think a guy that could be a great help to this ball club with some of the young players. Mauricio's gone for the year. He's an afterthought. And you know what? Competition was three. It's down to two. Beatty now has the advantage because he's the top prospect. Top prospects always get those advantages. And away you go. But the one that I'm really interested in seeing, and if he can become passable at third, because listen, Beatty's not any good. Like, I keep hearing Viento stinks at third, and I haven't seen enough of him to really, because, you know, they haven't really played him a lot. But Beatty's not really good at third. I mean, could he be any worse than Beatty? Because that's a pretty low bar. I mean, he's a guy that consistently in his minor league career has hit for power, strikes out a lot. Um, and, you know, hit left-handed pitching, not in the big leagues, but the hope was that he would hit it like he did in the minor leagues. So, to me, you know, 23 years old, here's your chance. Now, you sign a Justin Turner, you're kind of blocking a Vientos and because that's the same role that he would have, but it's only for a year. And who knows? There's always an opportunity where, you know, somebody gets hurt or whatever, and away you go. But to me, right now, you look at the history of the Mets at third base, taking David Wright out. When Ed Charles is top five third baseman in team history, nothing against the glider. Great member of the 69 Mets. He was not, he is not someone who be showing up in the top five of your third baseman in your team history. Should not. Todd Frazier shouldn't be in the top 10. I mean, nice player. I like Todd Frazier. Was a big advocate for them. Signing him was at the end of his career. It was actually quite disappointing at times especially his first season. He was better in his second season. He didn't really live up to the building offensively that you thought you were getting. So one of the, and we, as we get closer to the spring, and it's really, we can't really even build this out now because the team is not even close to being complete, is positional battles. Third base is going to be one of the more fascinating positional battles. And that's the thing about the 2024 Mets that we didn't see in 22 and 23 we used to always talk about maybe some depth battles and maybe some bullpen battles, but there are going to be a number of battles. Their base is one. There might be battles for the fourth or fifth spot in the, ro- spot in the rotation, depending on where they go, if they sign Yamamoto or not. There's certainly going to be battles in the bullpen. There'll be battles to make the club as a depth piece. I mean, this is going to be a competitive 
interesting March. Not a sleepy March, like in the past, because you had a veteran team. It was pretty much, you know, everybody was set. So you were sitting around waiting for the bell to start. And then last year was about the WBC. And, you know, you know what happened. So third base is probably one of the more fascinating positions that we'll watch this spring. It is wide open for the top pick. It is wide open for Vientos, the afterthought. They need to go. They really need to sign Justin Turner. They really do. I hate to say they need. If they are going to have any kind of competency, uh, uh, you know, first of all, he's a good offensive piece. I do not trust that either one of those kids can man the position for 162 games until they show me. I like the work ethic by Vientos. I'm sure Beatty's putting in the work. You got And even in spring training, if you show it to me in spring training, that doesn't prove anything. I need to see you go on the re- league a couple of times. So we're going to be in a evaluation period for a while. You know, for a big chunk of 2024. And, you know, you got your caddy. You got your defensive backup. Turner could be a nice bat. You know, that left-handed pitching could DH. They definitely need some right-handed bats that get lefty pitching. It'll be interesting if they go the Michael Taylor route in center field because he's a good bat that could hit left-handed pitching. Not a great hitter, but against lefties, he's a very good hitter and a good defensive player. So I think offensively, they're going to go really component-driven. They're going to be relying on Lindor. They're going to be relying on Pete. They're going to be relying on Nimmo. They're going to be relying on McNeil. Uh, I think that'll be very interesting to see what's left in the Marte tank. And, of course, there's Alvarez. And we'll be talking more about Alvarez in the new year. He looks like he wants an extension. That's actually going to be a piece that I'll... And and, and Yamamoto is going to dictate a lot of the, shall I say, news. Because I could plan to have a piece about Alvarez and his request for an extension or his interest in extension at Beyond the Mic. But then Yamamoto signs and throws it all off. Or Yamamoto doesn't sign and it throws it all off. So I've got a lot of things in the queue. So that's what we have eight days before Christmas. We are paralyzed. We're hoping that we have Yamamoto under the Christmas tree, the Hanukkah gift, whatever you celebrate. But I have a feeling this is going to bleed into after Christmas. And I think part of me, the gut tells me something's going to come down like Christmas Eve or something. Like when Dylan Batanza signed up Christmas Eve, like Yamamoto signs or something will come out. It'll be like Santa with the tracker. Where's Yamamoto? And that's where it's getting ridiculous. Like, People are, like, looking at who he's following on Instagram. Like, who cares? Nice buns. Soft, fluffy, and ultra-low net carbs. Discover Hero Bread, the delicious ultra-low net carb bread with incredible taste and texture. Hero Bread has zero grams of sugar and is under 100 calories per serving. Plus, high in fiber with 5 to 10 grams of protein per serving. Order from Hero.co now and get 10% off your first purchase with promo code AH10. That's 10% off with code AH10. H-E-R-O dot C-O. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Like, that's not gonna... I mean, you meet somebody, and typically if you're into the whole Instagram thing, and I'm really not, like I tried it a little bit, with even with Talking Mets No G, and I just... I'm glad I went the newsletter route because it's so much more me. 
It's just not me. Instagram's not me. I don't get it. And I'm on it. And I'm on it personally. And, and I, you know, but I just don't get it. I don't get Instagram. I'm a Twitter news conversation interaction guy. So you, know, you meet somebody. You're Yamamoto. You have a great meal. Your interpreter says, you know, blah, blah, blah. You go, oh, let me go follow this guy on Instagram. You learn something. You follow the Yankee pitching coach. You follow Jeremy Hefner. You follow this guy, Aaron Judge. But whatever. Doesn't mean you're committed to life. You're not marrying somebody by following them on Instagram or Facebook or whatever it is. So what a world we live in. Very wacky world. Very wacky situation. All right. So what's going to be the show? So definitely look out for a couple of Beyond the Mic columns coming up. You may ask, how come I don't do the high heat anymore on the Sunday column? I just think, because I've been getting a lot of feedback from different people, it just wasn't working. Because long, and one of the biggest pieces of feedback I got at Beyond the Mic was that, hey, you have some five or six minute reads, long form writing is going the way of the dinosaur. And that's a shame, because if done well, it's critically important to our enjoyment of the news and important to our ability to comprehend and understand issues and positions. I think it's, you know, you can't do everything in 280 characters. You can't do everything with an Instagram picture. You can't do everything with a meme. You just can't. Like, I know you, you people want to try, and I know there's a whole generation that thinks they can. You can't. You can't do everything into 30 seconds or less. You just can't. So um, I figured just do the columns. They come out two to three times a week. There's usually a Sunday one, a midweek one, and then, you know, depending on, on the news flow. I hope you're enjoying it. The reception has been great. The feedback's been great. The subscriptions have been great. I want to thank everybody for participating. This was something that I've been thinking about for a long time. It's the next iteration of growth for the show. And I think right now, because we are not, as a fan base, being treated that well by the mainstream media. There's very few good beat writers left. There's very few good columnists left. Everything is cottage industry clickbait, which is not going away. There's a place for it, but that can't be everything we get. And I know that there's some well-intentioned fans that have sites or YouTubes and videos, but they lack the experience and the context of the history of the team and the game to give you a complete picture. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's a different experience. It's There's six restaurants in front of you, A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Every restaurant provides you something. There's McDonald's, and then there's a great Italian restaurant or a great steakhouse. That doesn't mean McDonald's is bad. It's a different experience than the steakhouse. I'm trying to be that steakhouse. I'm trying to be a really good old school experience. Brings me back to my NYBD days. It really has energized me about this show. The connection with you guys is amazing. And, uh, you know, more to come. And, you know, I wish for the new year I wanted to do maybe some special vaults on the Beyond the Mic, but... We're, the offseason hasn't really got started. It is going to be a wild January. It really is. I mean, we're going to see a ton of signings after New Year, a busy January, and uh, we may see it into Valentine's Day. You know, And as players hit the New Year, they're going to get antsy. And the thing, and I'll leave everybody with this, the thing about Yamamoto, he's going to get a big contract somewhere. Mets, Yankees, Dodgers. I mean, look, if you believe uh, John Mincone on Twitter, former Mets prospect, minor leaguer, uh, at Jay Mincone. He believes it's down to the Mets the Yankees from some of his sources. Now, he had sources last year about Correa that, um, you know, didn't turn out to be right. Uh, again, information travels fast. Things change. It's very hard to be in the source business. Really is. Uh, it's going to come down to those two guys. And 
Yamamoto, with the attention he's got, with the money he's getting, how he held up free agency for so many players, there is going to be a bullseye on his back. Teams are going to knock his block off because you know what? He just made a bunch of players Christmas and New Year's really hard because they haven't signed yet. And I'm telling you, some guys are getting nervous. They really are. You don't have a job come New Year. You're going to get one. But baseball players are insecure naturally. And you want to be in a good spot, a good spot for your family, a good spot for whatever is important to you. Yes, winning, but there are other considerations. And this guy has frozen the entire free agent market as well as Altani. Guys who are not even Americans, Far East players. And I think Japan, every offseason now, I think you're going to see Japan with these two pioneers taking the next step and the Japanese player coming to the U.S., I think the Japanese player is going to be a big part of the league going forward. I think the league is going to be more international. It was mainly a Caucasian league. Then it was integrated with African-Americans. Then obviously South Americans, different uh, you know, South American, Hispanic players. And now a bigger component of the Asian player. And it's just the natural progression of the sport. No different than when Eastern Europeans started to make their way in the NBA. Drazen Petrovic, Tony Kukoc, you guys know the names. And now they're all over the place in the NBA, and they're really good. Dream Team did that. You know, we'll see. So I think we're seeing history right before our eyes. All right, that's it. I want to thank everybody for tuning in to the latest edition of the Talking Mets podcast. You can check me out on X at Mike Silva Media, TalkingMetsPodcast.com, of course, all the time. You can get me on the newsletter, at the newsletter, on at, at the newsletter, Substack.com slash at Talking Mets No G. And, of course, I want to thank the good folks from the Fansided Podcasting Network for supporting the show. I'm your host, Mike Silva. Stay tuned. I know it's Christmas Eve next week. We will be back with a show at some point. We'll see when it is. Not Christmas Eve, but I have a feeling we're going to have some news. Till then, take care. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. 
every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.